Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that is with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to everyone and anyone who supports anything that we have going on. Special shout out to all the students from Buy the Hood University, as well as the youth from the Buy the Hood Ownership Camp. Speaking of our camp, um, we have the next camp coming up this June, starts to end of June into July. Um, and this is going to be a very special camp. I want to send a special shout out to everybody from Better Than Success, as well as Philadelphia Real Estate Week, who are helping us take our camp to the next level. In fact, uh, June 18th, we're having a black tie event to support the camp here in Philadelphia. I will post information about that black tie event within the description. So if you want to, you know, help us out, we're always looking for volunteers for the camp. If you want to contribute or do something to help the youth, because this is about our youth. It's for kids ages five and up. It's completely free for the youth, and we want to make sure that we touch as many families as possible, but I will put information about that. My partner, Corey, is not here with me right now. He's actually working with some students right now, but as always, our platform is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work, putting out positive energy, and just doing things to build our community. The sister that I have with us right here is very, very intelligent. She's amazing. In fact, first conversation with her, I learned something I can implement in my business, so without further ado, Kim Avant Babb is in the building. Kim, how are you? I am amazingly honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Um, first and foremost, uh, I definitely just want to say thank you for sharing your time. I know time is our most valuable asset, so it's definitely appreciated. Um, but this is about you. We want to highlight you, your work, what you got going on. So to start, can you tell us about your background? Where are you from? Where are you born and raised? Yes, I will. But before I do that, let me just say I have my two tickets to the June 18th uh, event for the young people. So I just want to clear that out right Listen, now. Thank you so much for your support. It's definitely appreciated. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where was I born and raised? Uh, born and raised in West Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I travel the world. People ask me where I'm from. I say from Philadelphia. That's where I was born and raised. And uh, for the last 25 years, we, when I say we, my husband and I, we we sleep in South Jersey, but okay. we are from Philly. Yes. Got you. Got you. So uh, what kind of student were you coming up? Um, You know, what high schools or, or schools did you go to? What kind of student were you? Sure, sure. So uh, my, my parents moved us from West Philly to Mount Airy back in the early 70s. I went to uh, Catholic school for nine years out of my life. Um, a number of uh, Catholic schools in Philadelphia, but high school, I went to uh, Bishop McDevitt. Okay. Uh, so I went to Catholic school for nine years. The last three years, I went to Martin Luther King High. Hey, hey, for the Cougars and just breezed through. Uh, my last three years because of that um, Catholic school foundation. So foundation, I was yeah. an A student, um, discovered that I was an artist uh, at Martin Luther King High where I had an opportunity to choose my classes, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't necessarily do that in Catholic school. So um, went to Catholic school for nine years, public school for the last three and just breezed through. Yeah. 
Okay, so when you were in high school, uh, coming out of high school, what, what were your dreams or plans then? Uh, to be an interior designer. Interesting, okay. That was my aspiration. Uh, I was, like I mentioned, an art major, a book nerd, a uh, just really... Yeah, really a book nerd. And, and people were really surprised, uh, not so much surprised with the journey of my life because of the kind of student I was in high school. Always had my, my nose in a book, very intellectual, as people referred to me at my mm, class reunion, double digit. I was about to say the number, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the years just whizzed by. Yes, but they do. said, we knew you would be so-and-so because you were such an intellectual and a bookworm. So where did your journey take you after high school? Um, did you go to college? Did you jump into business? What was your journey? How did your journey? What happened right after high school? So I had a brief, um, I had a brief uh, uh, visit with, with college. I went to Drexel University okay. uh, right after high school and I majored in interior design. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, I was derailed from that after a year uh, for medical reasons mm -hmm. and got into the workforce and have been cruising through um, work in, in college, um, you know, for a lot of years, I don't know how deep you want me to get into that, but yeah. Yeah. So within that journey of, um, you know, starting out with interior design, I know now, um, can you explain what your current business is that you work, that you have? What is your current business? I know you work with landlords, but explain to our audience that may have never heard of you. What is your current business? You know, that's, that's, it's like that, that word is complicated <laughs> because I, I, I live a multifaceted life. Uh, my current business, uh, I, I'm a serial entrepreneur and mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. Uh, so for the last 30 plus years, my husband and I have um, built and operated bad properties, which is um, a company where real estate investors, we invest in single family uh, rentals in, in the Philadelphia market. Uh, so we've been doing that uh, for three decades. And currently, I would say a year and a half ago, I started Legacy Real Estate Consulting, which is the educational arm of Bad Properties, which is where the whole landlord strategist education um, and supporting the landlord community comes in. Yeah. Okay. So you're taking your, your experience and things that you learned along the journey to help other landlords, right? Exactly. Exactly. Now, simultaneous to that, I had a nine to five. So I was working a nine to five that um, I just retired from a year and a half ago uh, at the state level. Um, you know, it was a benefit to me that my career path or my career, my 23 year career um, paralleled real estate. OK, so I retired uh, from the state of New Jersey, working for the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority as chief strategy officer. Um, and just navigating the whole um, aspect of community development around redevelopment, financing real redevelopment projects in urban communities across the entire state of New Jersey. And then the last um, 12 or 13 uh, years of my career being an entrepreneur and uh, creating, operating and managing the Redevelopment Training Institute. So it's a couple of things based upon what you said, right? I found interesting, right? Um, one is uh, sometimes when people ask me about getting into real estate, I, I tell them, and they hate when I say this, and I always say, get a job somewhere in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. Learn the jargon, learn the vocabulary, learn how things work. Even if your your long-term goal is to go out on your own, 
you can learn so much and meet so many contacts from doing that. And it's interesting because in Philadelphia, I find a lot of investors who own a lot of properties, a lot of them are like either former or current PHA employees. It's like they they start to understand how the uh, process works and they go out on their own. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that's interesting that, you know, you, you worked at, on that side in Jersey and then invested in Philadelphia. So I think that's interesting. But you also brought up the concept of being an entrepreneur, which is uh, awesome. Can you explain to our audience what an entrepreneur is? Because I think that, that that's something that a lot of people don't recognize you can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had the opportunity to be um, uh, asked by our president and CEO, I guess like 15 years ago now, to take her vision um, of creating a hub around training because we, they, I can say they now because I'm yeah, retired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority are lenders. They're like a bank. Uh, specifically for the urban communities in New Jersey. And so what we were faced with was uh, for-profit, nonprofit developers coming to us vying for our money to borrow, not always having the intellectual capital uh, and understanding of how to do redevelopment. So her vision was to create a um, uh, an approachable, friendly uh, learning environment. And so she came to me with that vision and said, make it happen. Um, and I did. Um, and so an entrepreneur is someone who builds a business within a company mm -hmm. or within, in this example, within the state of New Jersey and um, took that vision, you know, created a framework around it, built the team, led the team and ultimately created a regionally accredited, recognized redevelopment training institute that um, trained thousands of uh, industry um, inquisitives and experts from attorneys to mayors uh, and people from all around the country came to that training institute and they still do. So that mm -hmm. was a major um, crown in my jewel, in, in my jewel of my crown, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. and also I want you to explain this too because one of the things that I understand, um, uh, a lot of times people try to like jump out too fast instead of like holding their job while they build their dream on the side, mm -hmm. specifically in real estate because I'm pretty sure this helped you in terms of having that W and two employment as, as you built your portfolio. How, how did that help you grow your portfolio by having that, that job? Yeah. And that's a great point. I, I, I make the point uh, to young investors or people who, you know, ask me, how did you get started and how did you, you know, you and your husband partner get to where you are. And I say to them that our W twos were our angel investors were our, our biggest investors, right? And I just had a conversation with um, someone just recently who has a nine to five and is dabbling into real estate and is on the cusp of, should I quit my job or not? And what I say to them, which is what fueled our ability to build a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio was our nine to five. Mm -hmm. Lenders want to see uh, stability in income, um, skill set, uh, and the ability to pay back that loan. So yeah. if you have a nine to five that you enjoy and or creates the flexibility to allow you to stay on that job and build your business um, simultaneously and then be able to replace your income and step off, that's a better strategy than quitting the nine to five and then trying to get funding to uh, fuel your business. There's just, you know, a bigger hurdle to jump through when you don't have a nine to five. And fortunately, that's what that's what we did. 
we had started our real estate uh, business before I embarked on this 22 year career that I just retired from. So we were building it before I started that position, but it just built so much momentum. We were blessed in so many ways to increase the building of it over those two decades that I could um, retire from my nine to five and just commit 120% of my time to building and continuing to build and then start an educational arm of, of our company. That's awesome. So you said a couple things there. One was uh, you did something that you enjoyed. So we're not saying if you hate your job out there, <laughs> if you're miserable going to work, you're going to be miserable, right? Right. But, but, you, but it, you know, so it's, it's, you know, you enjoyed it, but also your job um, indirectly was, you know, around the same thing, you same business you were building. So the question I have is, <laughs> what what was your biggest takeaway from that time you spent um, as an entrepreneur that helps you now that you're fully dedicated to your business? What would you say is like, you know, um, something that's helped you the most or your biggest takeaway from that? Jimmy, it, it, it if if one is not spiritually grounded, it's hard to recognize when you reflect okay and look back and for me every time i say this like i get like filled up that i can pivot and look back in my life and my career and see how every previous step has prepared me for where i am today mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. i was approached by our ceo with this idea and built a redevelopment training institute right um and that skill set and that accomplishment has created the platform for what I'm doing today with Legacy Real Estate Consulting is mm -hmm. an education arm. Um, when I was building that training institute, I said to myself, my, I can add to my resume that I am a course de designer. Like I'm, I was de designing courses, finding instructors all around the world. And so I'm doing that same thing mm -hmm. for Legacy Real Estate Consulting. So what what i did there really prepared me unbeknownst to me mm -hmm. for what i'm currently uh, offering to landlords and real estate investors in my current business okay got you so so kind of like everything so i mean and that's a great answer but that also means that you're aware and, and like you said you're, you're able to look back and reflect and see that everything leads to where you are today yeah right so it's not about uh being perfect it's about making mistakes and learning from them and moving forward but everything leading you to where you are right so i have to ask you this question though about this journey that you've had um what has been the biggest obstacle or something that you had to overcome to get you from where you started to where you are now that you have these flourishing businesses and you're, you're living out your dream what would you say is the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome i thought about the answer to this question jimmy and it's very personal to me mm -hmm. Is not an obstacle that I had. It was more of an obstacle that those who wanted to bring me on their team had, which okay. is that I don't have a college degree. Okay. And in certain circles, the college degree is a prerequisite to get you to the table. Mm -hmm. And what was convincing to my employers was that I had a skill set a natural skill set, grit and ambition and ability to deliver that they could not discount me because I didn't have a college degree because I was delivering every single time, you know, self-starter, uh, lifetime student. And um, 
I remember saying to um, the director of procurement at the University of Pennsylvania back in the 80s, when my, I, when my journey really pivoted from having a job to a mm -hmm. career, Okay. In that cover letter back in the day, you had to do the cover letter. Mm -hmm. and, the yeah. and I remember writing in the cover letter that it would be to your disservice if you did not hire me. <laughs> and I've continued that that same attitude throughout my career. And it has fared very well to me because I've delivered. Um, but, you know, being sometimes in those. I don't want to say elitist rooms because sometimes they are, you know, yeah, they are. Yeah. where if you don't have a degree, people try to make you seem small. But, um, you, but you were so good at the job that they couldn't deny you, right? They couldn't mm -hmm. deny me. And and so, a, a you know, an added challenge to that imposter syndrome reverse is that I matriculated, not including the first time at Drexel, but four times to universities over my okay. career saying in my mind, I got to get this piece of paper. I got to get this piece of paper to mm -hmm. qualify or justify. But every time I had to relinquish, I had to discontinue that, that, that college, you know, experience because I was getting promoted. I'm yeah. like, so do I, do I dedicate the time to the books or do I dedicate the time to, you know, boning up on taking advantage of this, um, of this uh, promotion. And every time I said, you know, they're offering you a promotion because you've obviously got what it takes. So books, I'm putting you on pause. Mm -hmm. And I went back, you know, one, two, three, four times and finally said, listen, as chief strategy officer, two people removed from the governor. You know, I think I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't sure right. I don't think I need that piece of paper right now. That's an interesting response to that question. But let me ask you this, though, building on that. Um, if you had someone uh, who's younger in your family or a kid or, or just someone looking for mentorship, and they ask you that question, they were um, on the fence about going to college or not. What would your response be um, considering your experience, right? Because from what I'm hearing is if you would have had the degree, uh, you, you probably would have still ended up in the same place, but it might have been a little bit faster. Is that, you know, if, if I'm reading that right or? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Faster, no. Not necessarily. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what would your response be to someone asking for your opinion about uh, the college, you know, getting that college degree? Sure. Uh, someone said something very profound to me early in my career in the form of a question. He asked me, what is one of our greatest assets? And I pondered it for a while. Long story short, he said, one of our greatest assets is our ability to reinvent ourselves at any time. Mm -hmm. Right. And we can do that through knowledge and education. So if we want to be an image consultant, that's all we need to do. You don't even need to go to the library anymore. You can get on your, you know, uh, smartphone and just, yeah. you know, Google and learn and and read a book a week on image consulting. And if you need to go through a certification, fine. But we have the ability to reinvent ourselves. So what I would say to a young person is that because college is not for everybody at all, right? But everybody has a skill set and an acumen. So. Um, now I'm not talking about you know rocket scientists or uh, certain, yeah, no, I get it, I get it, I get it. Certain certain things, yes, yes. I need you to go to college to get that. Yeah. But um, you know, if there's something that you're interested in, study up on it and network, right? Build your build your interpersonal skills and 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 your professional skills, uh, and and your work acumen. Um, build yourself internally so that you can articulate what your vision is 
And once you educate yourself um, and bone up, put it out there and deliver. The other profound statement that was said to me, I asked a woman that was on the panel that I was very respectful of and impressed with, how did you get to where you are? She said something to me that I share with young people. Do what you say would you do what you say you're going to do and if you can't communicate that you can and what the options are. So it comes down to work integrity and work mm -hmm. ethic and communication. So it's really a compilation of many different things that I would say to young people, but you have to apply yourself. You have to have the discipline. You have to be hungry. You have to be consistent. Um and you can't let people tell you no. Like you you really have to challenge no. Mm -hmm. I'm not qualified. Why not? What 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 do I need to get to be qualified? You know, you got to be assertive. Mm -hmm. Listen, in, in getting to your actual, you know, your real estate business, um, <clears throat> I, I was telling you, like, the first time that me and you had a chance to speak, um, I learned something from you about screening tenants. And I'm like, man, and that, that's the beauty of it, though, right? I've been in real estate for 20 plus years, but I'm still learning. I'm always learning, always learning mm -hmm. from other people's experience. Um so you've picked up a lot of gems and things along the way uh, as a landlord. So do you guys self-manage all of your property? Yes, we do. Okay. Okay. And you, so you said that is uh, primarily residential. Do you just focus on residential, only residential? So yes, we, we primarily have single family. Where okay. we got our start though, uh, I always give credence to my mother-in-law, the late Estella Babb, who introduced us into real estate. Uh, we got our start managing her multifamily units in Queen Village. She had okay. triplexes, right? And um, so we've done triplexes, but we have single families, yeah. Okay, okay. Is it is, is that like your preference, or do you guys like you know? Because I'm, I'm gonna tell you why I'm asking this, right? I have this, I have this like unpopular opinion. Because a lot of times you go online, you see people talking. People, like, everybody wants to get the 50 unit, the 100 unit. I like single family homes, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I know I'm in the minority in saying that, but it's a reason for that, right? Mm -hmm. I, I find them to be easier to to find great tenants. Mm -hmm. I also find them to be more liquid. And mm -hmm. where I'm at in my career, I like liquidity, right? So if I'm if I'm selling a single family home, I'm open to first time home buyers, other investors. I'm open to pretty much everybody. Right. There's not too many people that are look to buy a you know 20 unit building other than other investors. And if you're an investor, you're not trying to pay market rate anyway. Right. So that's just a personal opinion. So I was wondering, like, when you say that we deal in single family, is yeah. that a strategy behind that or that's just how things uh, worked out? It's, it's, it's kind of both in that, um, as I mentioned, we used to manage my mother-in-law's um, triplexes, right? Um, so we had that experience of the transientness of triplexes. Yes. much more turnover right and then um when we got into the investment space which was as a result of a gift a fourteen thousand dollar gift from my mother-in-law for us to buy our first investment property because she kept saying uh you all need to start buying real estate my husband grew while well, i'm from west philadelphia my husband was born and raised in graduate hospital um okay. for those of you who are not right. familiar with philadelphia is the first ring neighborhood of center city Yes. That's where he grew up. So that's where his mother was investing. And so she convinced us uh, and said that she would gift us a $14,000 to buy our first investment property, which was a single family. And oh, so real quick, can we just stop and give, uh, give, give some give some flowers to your mother-in-law? Because you talk about, uh, you know, that that that's what we like to talk about in terms of generational wealth. Yeah. And her giving you just capital, hey, get, get you guys started. And now you've built a multi-million dollar portfolio. Yes. So we just want to give her flowers and shout out to uh, your mother-in-law. That's amazing. 
Absolutely. And she was a factory sewer who was an avid saver and had saved this $14,000 as an inheritance to my husband. Mm -hmm. But she came across um, uh, 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 two properties side by side and she brought one for $14,000 and said, you all need to buy this. And I'm going to give it to you with the understanding that when I die, you will not get an inheritance. Uh, mm -hmm. We still own that property today. Wow. When we talk about wealth building, mm -hmm. that $14,000 gift just keeps on giving. It's in the graduate hospital? It's in graduate hospital. Okay, single wow. family. Yo, say less. Listen, say less. I, I've done a lot of valuation work in graduate hospital. I know, I know what the median uh, value is there. So... I'm just yeah. gonna, you know, leave it at that. That's that's an amazing story, though. Yes, yes. Yeah, take your inheritance now, but the fact that she gave it to you now makes it worth more. If she would have waited to give it to you, it had less purchasing power. Absolutely, of, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a that's an amazing story. Absolutely. So that first house was a single family, and uh, we, my husband and I, you know, we would go to seminars and conferences. And we heard a story from one of the instructors, which was a major investor in New York at the time. And he owned um, all these apartment buildings, but he had an ideology. He said each one of his properties was a cow and that he would never sell the cow. You just milk the cow into future generations. And we used that, that method and that ideology and brought single family properties. Um, we have a tenant that's been with us. Talk about how people stay longer in single family mm -hmm. versus apartments. She's signing her 14th year lease. <sighs> and every time I call her at the top of the year, are you going to, she finishes the sentence, I ain't leaving my house. So people have more ownership we have found with single family opposed yes. to apartments. I agree. I agree. I'm glad, I'm glad someone else said it because people argue me about, cause I, but I understand the other side in terms of like scaling. Sure. But for me, I'm a long-term buy and hold, uh, you know, I'm a, a lazy investor. And I find that people, what you just said, and I like the way you said that I'm gonna steal that line too. I steal all your stuff, Kim, <laughs> but, um, people have a, a sense of ownership as a tenant in a single family. They look at it as being their house. They do. Also my experience is, even when it is a turnover, it's less damage because they look at it as being their house. People treat apartments, they just tear them up. In terms of their house, they treat it a little bit different, right? So, um, you know, I've even had people like, you know, who lie to their family or friends and say they own the property and they're my, and they're my tenant. I have no problem with that. I don't care as long as you pay on time and take care of it. But the upkeep is a little different. Um, so that's why I wanted to ask that question. But that's amazing that you guys, that story, I didn't know that story to just now. That is a, a, a powerful story. Um, about your mother-in-law, how she set you guys up. And um, that's, that's um, you know, very inspired by that. Absolutely. Because, yeah. And I, and we, we, my husband and I, sometimes we'll just, you know, especially um, during COVID, post-COVID, like, and that we have a 0% eviction rate in 38 years that we've been managing her properties and our properties and going through COVID, um, you know, with 100% rent collection, zero delinquencies. We just walk through the house sometimes past each other and I look at him and he looks at me and I'll be like, you know, we blessed, right? <laughs> Man, I want you to talk about how is that even possible for you to have a zero? Because you've been in this like what, uh, 20 plus years now? 38 years. 38 years. I was forced to I was forced to figure out that number going through a program I just went through because in marketing and in content, I'm saying three decades, you know, we got three decades. And yeah. my coach was like, no, no, no. How many years 
And I went back and it's been 38 years. See, Kim, I'm taking more notes from you. I'm stealing more of your stuff, right? Hey, listen, Kim, Kim is a wealth of knowledge. I'm learning right now as we have this conversation. I got to start saying the exact years. I always say two decades too. Like, I just learned something new from you. Um, years, yeah. How is it possible? Could you give us, uh, you know, I know you can't give us all the secret sauce because, you know, uh, you teach it. But just give us a little bit of how is that possible? So... For those in Philadelphia and around the country, uh, many people know Dan, Daniel Harvey, Dan Harvey, Dan mm -hmm. Real Estate Man, right? Yep. And I saw him present at Better Than Success a few years ago um, at a mastermind. And Dan said something that was so profound that I've quoted him many, many times. And he said that landlording is a skill set. Okay. Landlording is a skill set. And many people don't recognize or understand that landlording is a skill set. Um, so when you ask the question, how are were we able to, you know, come out with a report card of 0% eviction rate in 38 years, I believe that we had the skill set. Like uh, my husband and I are really, uh, we complement each other as a couple. Uh, he handles everything on the construction side, the maintenance side. I handle everything on tenant relations, marketing, um, and the administrative piece. So between the two of us, we've brought our professional skills into our business mm -hmm. and we've been able to apply the discipline, systems, um, strategy. I just retired as chief strategy officer. I'm a strategist. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. Yeah. I look yeah. ahead, right? And um, creating systems and communication. Communication. With, with our tenants, like in setting tones setting the right tone, which is the mindset, and uh, which I talk about this in my training, like the psychology of it all. Mm -hmm. I talk about as a landlord, what's your psychology? What's the psychology of the tenant? Let's get into the mindset of this thing. So I think it's been as a result of, um, you know, what we've discovered along the journey, systems that we put in place, uh, documents that we've created to create a systematic way of communicating, um, and just, you know, the whole ball of wax has really delivered us in a way. Now, I'm not going to say that early on when we were managing my mother-in-law's properties that we didn't stumble, get bumps and bruises along the way trying to figure this thing out because we didn't mm -hmm. go to school for property management. We didn't go to school for real estate in the beginning. So mm -hmm. we really honed the skills and created, um, you know, a clear uh, system that we can, that we've repeated and that we're able to share. Man, that's amazing. And also shout out to Dan. Dan has been on a, been on his podcast as well. And he's amazing at what he does. Um, so yeah, that that that's that's those numbers are just like beyond belief. 38 years, like a zero percent uh eviction rate. That's even through COVID. So so how yeah. did COVID affect your business, if at all? It didn't. Uh and again, I will highlight triple underscore the importance of communication. Okay. And relationships, right? Uh, Hapco, I won't take um, credit for it, but they came out years ago and is still pinned up in our office. The Ten Commandments of Landlording. Mm -hmm. And one of the commandments is I'm friendly to, to your tenants. I'm friendly, but I'm not your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm friendly. <laughs> and so this is a business relationship. It's a mutually beneficial relationship. And so we approach it like that. Uh, when COVID hit because of our business relationship with our business partners, as mm -hmm. we call our tenants, because they are 
our on-site property managers, right? Mm-hmm. They That's are the managing our whole different, whole different way to look at it. That's that mindset you're talking about. They're managing our asset for us. Um, I reached out to each and every one of them personally and asked the question, how you doing in reference to COVID? And I shut my mouth and I listened to them. And many of them said, I'm okay, you know, I'm working from home, or they shared whatever their situation was. But before I called them, uh, we had created um, a rent deferral policy for our company. Okay. Just in case they had an answer that wasn't 100% um, of what, you know, the, the past relationship had been, this would be step one, two, three, and four. Fortunately, uh, the other reason that my husband and I walk by each other and say, you know, we bless, right, is that we're not over leveraged. Mm, we're not over leveraged. So that releases the pressure that released the pressure for us in the COVID situation. If we had tenants who couldn't pay. Yeah. And the tenant that's been with us for at that point, 13 years. Yeah. And she couldn't pay. You think I'm going to kick you out now that you've been like cash flowing me for 13 years because of COVID and I'm not over leveraged. Come on. We're in this together. So that was the approach and the strategy and the position that we uh, as a company are in. So um, fortunately, you know, none of our tenants uh, could not pay. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. Do you just uh, do you take uh, just market rate tenants or do you do any like Section 8 programs at all? Like um, what is your strategy with that? We we need to go through the Section 8 um, training, but right now it's all market. All market tenants. Okay. Another question I have just based upon our conversation is, um, you know, you talk about how you and your husband work together and, and uh, how you guys have been able to build. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the power of you guys working together as a team and being on the same page? Because I, I think like, you know, your relationship is it's kind of a cheat code when you have two of you guys on the same page working together. Okay, so let me just answer that by saying we've been friends for 40 years. Okay. We've been married for 38. I ask people who are in relationships or married, pray for me and I'll pray for you because (laughs) (laughs) being in relationships is not easy in general. Yes. Okay. And then you layer your partner being a business partner on top of that, um, you know, it hasn't been all peaches and cream. Uh, we are not always on the same page. Okay. He's much more conservative. I'm much more aggressive, you know, really? in risk. Yeah. That's um, interesting. So again, communication is the elixir of all relationships. So we have, you know, we've had great communication over the years. Hasn't always been smooth. Um, um, but we, again, we've been lifetime students, right? And um, that's helped us um, to, you know, navigate our relationship. Okay. It's, it's, again, you know, if I stand on my heels and look back, uh, he's like the best guy out of the bunch that I could (laughs) have. Make sure we send him the clip, this clip right here. (laughs) That's one in the bunch of the guys that I was encountering through my life. And, uh, it's just, you know, the planets have lined up for us to really complement each other. Yeah. Oh, man. This this is a very inspiring story. I'm inspired by your whole story. Um, Let me ask you this question. Along this journey, what is your favorite book or a book that's inspired you? So I thought about that answer, and it's really hard because my mother was an avid reader. 
my childhood sweetheart that many people thought I was going to marry, his father was an avid reader. Mm -hmm. uh, every room in our house has a library. So it could be a couple books. It's not to be one. Just give me a couple. I a couple know, of, I know, I know. A couple of your favorites. A couple of my favorites. So um, an early book that really you know laid the foundation for me was um, Your Erroneous Zones. Um, okay. Yeah, that really, you know, talked about, um, you know, self-control and, and positive thinking. Uh, every year I read uh, Who Moved My Cheese. Mm, I like that one. Yeah. It talks about change, like how we have to manage change. Mm -hmm. uh, on the real estate side, um, The Color of Law. Oh, on Real estate and the whole backdrop of, you know, racial segregation and prejudice in, in real estate. So. Mm -hmm. And I just got a book uh, by Mark Lamont Hill, who just came out with a new book called Yeah, it's a new one. Yeah, Seen and Unseen that talks about uh, technology and how, you know, uh, it uh, democratizes how we capture uh, racial injustice based on social media, cell phones and all that kind of stuff. So I, I read from a um, uh, like a cafeteria style, you know, I'm like picking and choosing depending on mm -hmm. how I feel every day. I'm reading multiple books all the time. Same here. Same here. There's another good book. Um, I don't know if you read this before. It's called Family Properties. Um, it's by an author named Beryl Satter, but it's, a, no. it's, a excellent, it's an excellent book. It's along the lines of the color of law, mm -hmm. but it's shown like it, the narrative is a, it's a story of um, a young, a young lady whose father was a landlord in Chicago in the sixties. And she's like telling their story, but it goes over some of the same things as color of law. Um, but she's giving like her perspective as someone who saw it up front and how, uh, <clears throat> you know, race plays a part in real estate. Right. And who's the author again? It's like Beryl Satter, B-E-R-Y-L-S-A-D-D-E-R. -E I believe that's the spelling, but you'll find it's called Beryl Satter is the author, but it's called family, family Properties. Yeah. So it's a pretty interesting. And if you like color of law, you'll definitely like this because, uh, you know, it's a story. I mean, and it's, it's, it's very, 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 because what it talks about is not just redlining, but it talks mm -hmm. about how, because of redlining, people were forced to pay these exorbitant rents because they had no choice. Yeah. And and how over time that thing, like, you know, we always talk about compounding on the good side, how thing compound interest works on the good side, but compounding works backwards as well. Mm -hmm. Right. You made you do this one evil thing and then it compounds into more evil things. So, you know, interesting book. I just, you know, thought I'd bring it up when you mentioned the color of law. Um, Absolutely. I'll look that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so tell us about, uh, I, I know you said you have the education company, you have your real estate company, um, and those are the, the primary things you're working on as well. Um, but I do happen to see the, the logo behind you for Landlord Docs. Uh, so what, what is Landlord Docs? Landlord Docs 30, uh, that's when, that's before I was counting the years, <laughs> is a digital property management document bundle that we took to market about three years ago okay. because at one point um my husband he would ask me for a blank copy of our application a blank copy of our lease to share with someone and the light bulb went off uh as the administrator having created all of these documents over the years and i said if microsoft has a bundle we have a bundle Mm -hmm. And 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 we came out with Landlord Docs 30, which is the representation of all the documents that we use to manage our properties that we've created over these three decades. And it's been um, well, it's not three decades, the 38 years. 38 years. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. at the time I wasn't counting. <laughs> 30, Landlord Docs 30. And so we took it to market. And I mean, it just was well received by landlords, um, aspiring landlords, existing landlords. It gives you it's a it's it's a it's like 30 documents 
but it covers everything, addendums, leases, applications to help you uh, not have to go to Staples mm -hmm. and buy just an off-the-shelf lease. Our lease is a 10-page lease. It covers many, many clauses. Uh, so we went to market and, and offer that to, to landlords because many of them don't know where to start. And this is uh, a great bundle uh, to get them what they need to, to manage their, their property. Awesome. Awesome. Only have two more questions for you, right? Sure. So, the, so the first question would be, if someone is coming to you now um, as an aspiring investor, they're just getting started, what would be your advice to them? What would be your first piece of advice? How, what, what's just the first thing they should do? They're saying, listen, I'm you know, fresh out of high school, college. I want to become a real estate investor. Miss mm -hmm. Kim, what should I do? Mm -hmm. uh, what you should do, first of all, is do your research. Read as much as you can about real estate. Learn the terms uh, and, you know, just the industry in general. Uh, and, you know, I kind of respond with, if I knew then what I knew now, that's what I tell young people. Buy a multifamily unit, like house hack, buy a duplex or a triplex mm -hmm. so that you can build that foundation of an asset uh, to leverage into other things. Like when we first uh, started, you know, we bought our primary home. We didn't know. No one told us that a strategy could be buy a duplex, live in one, and let the tenant pay and leverage that and get your dream home. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm I'm teaching young people and any aspiring uh, investor now. If 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 you are if you're OK with with delayed gratification, get into multifamilies now and just bone up, do your research. If you're looking for a mentor or someone to you know interact with that season, come with questions. Don't mm -hmm. come with teach me you know, the the yeah. um, the language. No, do your homework, do your research, uh, be assertive and tenacious, and then come with questions. Great, great. And I like that analogy you used too about the milk and the cow. Because um, I always look at each property as its own business. Um, mm -hmm. Also, I've made the analogy of each property as its own bank. Mm -hmm. um, but the milk and cow, I like that one too. That, that gotta, I got to steal that too. And if I, I can add to that, Jimmy, what we say to our, our three sons mm -hmm. who... When we talk about generational wealth, you know, we say to them, like, we we have been, you know, with the help of your grandmother, we've been financial revolutionaries in our mm -hmm. family, right? And the broader sense is, you know, how a $14,000 gift and gentrification mm -hmm. created a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. Mm -hmm. That's really the recipe. So we tell our sons, in reference to the cow, you can take these cows and milk them into future generations if you yes. just maintain them. Yep. And the one thing is you also had time. You've given it time. So it wasn't <clears throat> soon she gave you the 14,000 hours, but over time it's went up, uh, you know, um, you know, crazy. But that's the thing. It's your whole story is inspiring because now you're on to the third generation that's going to benefit from grandma's 14,000. And also what's inspiring about that story is you said grandma was a seamstress, right? Like she just was a great saver yes, and her decision to be a great saver are going to change the lives of grandchildren and future grandchildren. So that is a very, very powerful story. That's what we talk about, like black wealth. That's what it looks like, um, you know. And, 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 and the three other components that really add to the recipe of success for us is to your point timing, we brought the right location, at the right time, at the right price. Yep. Yep.
Wow. So what does the future look like for you, Kim? Now that you're retired and you're focused fully on all your businesses, um, what is your what does your future look like? I am free to be me. I don't I had never experienced this sense of freedom until I retired from my nine to five. Mm-hmm. To be as creative and explorative, exploratory, um, without any boundaries, without having to ask for permission, without having to, ha- having to ask for time off. So I'm in such a freeing and creative space right now. So uh, what the future looks like for me is if I can and I will keep you know, growing, educating myself, serving and, and financially supporting in the philanthropic way, like. All if I I'm hitting on all of those cylinders, life is great. Life is great. (laughs) That's amazing to hear. I'm 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 in a place I've incorporated a motto: learn, earn, and return. Uh, I believe that we should learn as much as we can, earn what we can from that knowledge, and then return it to the community. So the season I'm in right now is returning and pouring back. And repeat that again. You said learn, earn, and return. Yes. I like that. Learn, earn, and return. I'm writing that down. I like that one. Learn, earn, and return. Okay. Listen, I'm a, you got me over here taking notes. Like you, you, you <laughs> learn, earn, and return. I like that. I yeah. like that whole paradigm. Learn, earn, and return. Okay. So my cup is full. I'm pouring out. I want to, I want to return it back into the community before the good Lord takes me. That's amazing. Listen, you have a very inspiring story. And I just want to say, um, last, I just want to thank you first and foremost, for, um, you know, uh, being transparent and sharing your story. Um, I think that you'll inspire a lot of other folks. Um, and you know, for some of us, we're going to be the ones to give that 14,000, right? So it has to start from somewhere. Um, and that, that story itself is just very, very inspiring to me. I'm going to leave this conversation and then, you know, I'm ready to go do some work now because, um, I've been very inspired by your story overall. So I just want to thank you so much and also wish you much continued success with everything you got going on. Also want to say, I appreciate you because, you know, like you said, you've gotten two tickets to help support what we're doing in the community. And we really, really appreciate that. Every time I've talked to you, I've learned from you, but you're also like, you know, supporting what we're trying to do in our own neighborhoods, in our own community. So I just want to, I can't thank you enough. I thank you. I thank you and, and Corey, what you all are building, have built, and will continue to build with the support of the community. That's what we're here for. We have to collaborate, support mm-hmm. each other, uh, and continue to buy the hood. That's right. We appreciate you so much. So for our audience out there, I'm going to leave links to everything uh, that Kim has going on. Please check out what she has going on. Um, make sure that you reach out. Uh, you know, she she does, um, you know, educate now. So and she has time to focus on that as well as um, she has a landlord docs as well. So and please believe me, I don't care how long you've been doing this. You can learn from Kim. I'm telling you that I'm pretty sure you learned something this episode, but she's a wealth of knowledge and her experience. You can't her, man. Listen. That that amount of time with a zero percent eviction rate, I've, that's that's phenomenal. For those that are in the business already, you know how phenomenal that is, right? So with that being said, make sure you reach out, see everything that Kim has going on, and uh, for our audience, we just want to say thank you so much for like listening or watching. However, you're consuming this content, we appreciate you. As we always say, it's not about how much money you make; it's about how much you keep. Game elevates. We'll see you guys in our next episode. But thank you so much. Peace.